Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? Aloha. Good to see you, Sean. Aloha. Guys, I met Tony in Hawaii. I was living in Hawaii for uh, the winter, four or five months with Emma. And it was actually funny. Do you remember how we met Tony? Not sp- I know where we were, but I don't yeah. know the specifics. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it was it was it was funny to me because you know I was in the gym. It was early. It was 5 a.m. on a, tu- a Tuesday. I'm sure it was a Tuesday. And um, most people are in a rush 5 a.m. on Tuesday to a point right there. Wake up. I'm getting after that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was definitely that was definitely me. You know, I, you know, I was a little busier then. And uh, I saw you in, in the, the corner of the Club Kona. Shout out the Club Kona. <laughs> um, and I, I saw you. Uh, holding a stretch you're doing you know uh, you're stretching hamstrings you're sitting down and uh, you look like calm composed like you were just happy to be there stretching I'm like cool you know most guys I don't stretch enough you know even though we know hamstrings mm-hmm. probably the best thing to stretch to relieve back pain mm-hmm. um, so I hit a set of pull-ups and I, like, I look over and you were still stretching you know I super said I went over to go do biceps came back you were just holding that stretch you know clearly intentional and in my brain I thought like this guy's not just like stretching a warm up. He's working on something, you know, like, and you seem so composed. I don't know what it was. I was like, Hey man, what's up? And I just started chatting mm-hmm. with you. And mm-hmm. I realized, you know, the fact that at 5am, you not only were so composed doing that, like you just like openly, you know, gave me your focus and attention. I just, I, I enjoyed that interaction. So that's how we yeah. met chatting since. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I could really feel your attention there too. So it definitely uh, was reciprocal. So oh, I, I, I appreciate it, man, dude. Um, tell me about this, this painting or this, this visual behind you. I love it. Ah, yeah. So uh, my wife, Amber Benici, uh, and I have a company called woman unleashed and uh, part of uh, woman unleashed is creating uh, and painting yourself mm-hmm. portrait of your queen or your divine <clears throat> self excuse oh, me awesome. and so this is one of those processes like because you can paint over and over a portrait of yourself and new learnings and teachings in the process come out so we have a community of about fifty thousand women and uh it's just been uh, about last seven years that we've been uh, embarked on it. She's the CEO of the company. So she teaches and we have a team, great team of women that support it. And, uh, so, so cool. woman unleashed singular. Yeah. yeah woman. So. Dude, yeah. I hope people check that out. I want to hear a little bit about the, 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 ex- I mean, the, the company for sure, but the exercise of this painting, I mean, you, you, you use some specific words there, you know, kind of like your divine, you know, version of yourself. Uh, what yep. do, do you know? I'm sure you do. You kind of know, like, what's the background behind that? What's the intention of it? Yeah. So each uh, painting is consists of different layers. And so the first layer may have uh, maybe some, some of your negative beliefs mm-hmm. written on this painting. And so you put that your negative beliefs. And so maybe it's, I'm not good enough. I don't have value. And um, I'm, I'm never enough. How about those three for me? Right. And then, so you see them on there and you're experiencing what you're seeing of your beliefs being on canvas. Yeah. And then you cover the whole entire canvas with a color. And then maybe now let's bring out your positive beliefs. And let's start to look at those. And then that may may bring out different phrases. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am love. And paint those on there and see those on there. And then cover them up. Now taking both of those, like a dark and a light. And Mm -hmm. what kind of symbol or shapes would that take on that may like represent both those qualities and all their glory? And then so you start to paint shapes. So you say, maybe it might be a triangle. I had some six. uh, I've done this process in Italy with one of Amber's teachers. So um, it's so rad. It's totally rad. And it's hard too. I mean, some of the, it's like some deep, like therapeutic work to paint yourself and an image of what you 
think you look like, you know, it's very, it was very therapeutic. Yeah. So. I mean, e- even I'm just, I'm thinking about the start. I didn't think this is how we were going to start, you know, on the, mm-hmm. on the million other things that we generally chat about, but this is what I love about chatting with you. Um, I'm thinking about, so Dr. Joe Desponza, he <clears> has a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself that I just read. It is a great book. It's a hefty book. It's all about um, changing your thought patterns and, and creating that. That's a word we're going to dive into later. But uh, one of the first things was talking about, you know, doing some deep work to understand um, where you need to work, what, you know, what, what, how are you viewing yourself? You know, for example, I, I started in kind of the corporate space. For those that don't know, I worked for Milwaukee Tool and then I started my own company. And uh, good news, I started picking up a bunch of clients. Bad news, I was working 12 hours a day and I was the one responsible, not taking as much vacation or you know downtime as we all know is important. And I realized I became addicted to that feeling and I felt guilty. Like basically besides family and like exercise, you know, I would feel guilty doing other things. I'm like, you know, I have a business. I could be delivering better. Like I never had, I never was giving the absolute 100% best result possible to the client because that's impossible. So I could always be doing more for my client. I could always be trying to bring in new, you know, things on business and I enjoyed it, but I felt guilty. So I found that that initially is difficult in itself. I mean, and then like you were saying, coming up with a few and kind of like painting it, that's got to be powerful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've uh, been on that work, work or on that journey of inner work for about uh, in depth for about 20 years. And so, yeah. you know, and then to step out and say, oh, you know, we went to uh, um, Florence, uh, Italy and uh, painted. I painted my self-portrait. And when I lay there at nighttime and I couldn't go to sleep and I was processing, like my brain was just like, what the fuck are you? Lo- Sorry, but what are you looking at? What are you actually yeah. doing right now in this process? And it, it, I had a few sleepless nights in, in the process of learning new things about myself. Hmm. Uh, you, you hit on something pretty interesting there. Uh, we're we're going to hop right into your 20 years of self-work. But before we do, you said a couple of sleepless nights. I don't know if it's a shock to anyone to hear that most people have sleep problems and that most of those problems come from, you know, psychological things, but mm-hmm. it's crazy how big, you know, sleep medication is, you know, people are doing all these things. How many apps are there to tell sleep stories and things? And, you know, people keep the TV on all night to help them sleep, even though that doesn't help them sleep, blue light and noise. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it's so interesting. I, I, I bet after you went through that work, had those, you know, sleepless nights, long days, and I bet now you sleep pretty, pretty well, I would assume, um, you know, and especially going to bed, right? I think that's the hardest part is quieting the brain to go to sleep. Mm. Yeah. I mean, for me, it comes in waves of, of that. Mm. Uh, I'm constantly uh, looking and doing the inner work. So it'll bring up things for myself that, uh, uh, create those sleepless nights sometimes. Yeah. And, um, and I challenge myself regularly outside of my like physically, spiritually relationships and work and legacy work. I challenge myself in those areas. And that's one of the biggest things that will bring up limiting beliefs and, and, uh, all the old stories that, uh, I have created about myself from when I was yeah. younger it, to hold it, me back, you know? It, it is true. Challenging yourself does bring that stuff up because it, it makes us all, you know, vulnerable and humble. I'll say this thing right here. I have a little notepad that says distractions at the top. This is, yeah, I live with this thing. So one of the things that this is for is whether I'm in a meeting, whether I'm typing an email, working on a project, reading, I have this generally with my pot um, in my pocket and anything that comes up, you know, well, oh, I want to give Tony a call. I just write that right on here. And then, but, but before I go to sleep, I try to do a brain dump. So I write absolutely anything, even if it's nonsense, you could scratch it out in the morning, um, get it out on paper. It kind of like frees me up. That helps me, you know, rest. But, uh, you know, it's funny. You also, you mentioned challenging yourself as a way to bring up, you know, some things to work with yourself. And I found that I found physically that was, uh, you know, I, I've, I've loved the gym. I love playing sports, but I, I realized I always was in in my zone, right? I'd play sports and work out things I was good at. And when I got into ultra running, 
Um, I ran my first 50 miler uh, and I quit. I quit at mile 28, dude. My right foot hurt so badly I, from mile 15 on. By mile 28, we ran right by the, fin- the start line, finish line, because it was like a little loop. I was like, I'm done. First time I quit anything physically, like quit, not lost. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. I quit on myself. And dude, uh, I never trained so hard as for the next one. Cause I was like, <laughs> I was like, not me, man. I'm not going to be like, you know, it's just like, uh, I, I had sleepless nights because that I was like, you know, I, I went from thinking I was up here to boom, right down here. And um, it doesn't matter if it's running one mile, if it's, you know, strength training, it doesn't even have to be physical, but getting yourself out of your comfort zone and, and actually pushing yourself. Beautiful thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, my mind right now, my mind right now is uh, free diving. Oh, with your son um, and 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 breath holding. Yeah. So I have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old, and the 16-year-old is taken to free diving like a fish. And so uh, <laughs> you know, we we want to support them in the best ways we can. And being here in Hawaii, you have some of the best free divers in the world uh that practice at Hona now. And uh so we hired, hired Ben Zion, shout out to Ben Zion, Hawaii free diving. <laughs> um, and if you want to experience it and actually like feel what it feels like to hold your breath beyond what your mind thinks is possible, what your body is capable of like that. For me, it's been one of the most terrifying and best ways to look at how I limit myself and, and, and what, uh, what limitations I put on myself is through, uh, holding my breath and so as i've come up with you know my son for 16 years of playing in the water and getting more and more comfortable in the water seeing that i did have the shark phobia drowning phobia all the crazy ass ones that are still inside me that'll flare up every once in a while Mm -hmm. and uh and so i you know got to this point and got this free diving coach and now my son's diving 100 feet you know and now it's like oh he's holding his breath for three minutes and, you know, and for, I'm, I'm sure people can imagine for those that don't know, that's, these are crazy numbers. <laughs> I mean, a hundred feet, three minutes. Uh, it, it, it's, it's wild. You know, uh, I, we're still going to go back to the 20 years of self-work that you've done. But for people that don't know, Tony is a coach. He is, uh, you know, life coach, business coach. We'll get into what you do um, in a little <laughs> bit, but I think it's really cool. The fact that you hired a coach for your son you know, thinking like, Hey, if you're going to take this seriously, like, let's get you trained by people that know what they're doing and help you experience this. Um, can you, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Can you paint a little bit of a picture of what it's like to free dive like that? I did a little bit of spear fishing, um, kind of off like two-step, like a little South of Kona mm-hmm. where I know you guys were the other day. Um, yeah. and besides that, just, you know, almost like, just like shore dives, just kind of having fun with some friends, but um, there's a tranquility down there. There's beauty. There's fear. I mean, you have to, you kind of have to look 360 degrees up, down. Um, yeah. I don't know what, can you paint a little picture of what it's like to be under the water there? Yeah, I think I can, you know, I'd, I'd start on the top of the water, you know, you're sitting there floating on top of the water and, uh, in free diving there's a, a line or a cable that goes down to your depth that you're going to go to. So, you know, if you have it at 20 meters, that's about 60 feet. And so you can barely see the bot. You can barely see it yeah. a lot of the time. So sometimes in Hawaii, you can get a hundred feet of visibility, but you can see it's like, damn, that's a long way down there. And the <laughs> idea while you're laying there is to get as calm and relaxed as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So one thing, your mind's going, I'm going to go down and hold your breath. And it like, it comes to me as like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? Like, those are like limiting beliefs. And then, and simultaneously trusting that my training and what I do with my breath and breathing and calming my nervous. Tony, I can't hear you right now. Your audio broke up. As that fifth minute comes up you know it's coming. And so you take a big exhalation to get all the CO2 out of your own. Now you've taken a really deep breath because you've been kind of taking shallow breaths when you're, mm-hmm. when you're really relaxed. And you take that last inhalation, big breath. Yeah. And you hold it and you 
duck dive head first and you start kicking and you're following this cable down and you got to kick kind of hard because the buoyancy is wanting to pull you back up. And so for uh, about 16 kicks or 35 feet, uh, you are actually buoyant in uh, you're in buoyancy in that space. Mm. So it's trying to pull you back up. So you got to kick kind of hard. And when you get down past that 33 to 35 feet, you become negatively buoyant. And this is where the fantasy or the, the, the inquiry to me of what this space that they call the doorway to heaven, where gravity changes and starts to pull you down where you don't have to kick anymore. And, and you start to glide or like fly down this cable. That's you know, and, and for, for me, 70 feet feels like a lot. And I've, I've been just above seven, just 79 feet to be exact. We keep in numbers yeah. and, you know, you feel the pressure on your, on your chest. It's like, you know, you go from having lungs about this size to then them contracting and coming all the way into almost like a pea size. And you, uh, you start to live off of the oxygen in your body, yeah, in your blood. Dude. I, I, um, I, I appreciate it. There. What you want me to keep going? If, if you want, I, I love that you actually, it broke up for a little bit. Um, I, I hope, I hope the audio came through for, you know, the recording there, but it broke up just for a little bit in there. Um, but dude, that the, so my girlfriend's a, a scuba diver, which definitely there's a, a very big difference between I mean, scuba diving because you have the oxygen tank, but she talks about, you know, getting down to that negative buoyancy level and you start to feel like you're flying. Um, but, you know, the, the, the thing that interests me the most, so, you know, I'm, I love the Wim Hof method. And that's why I start all of my days. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I wrote a blog about this this morning, Tony, was that when I do the Wim Hof, the, it, it's, a, it's a cultivation of a lot of things. So first of all, it's a breathing technique. Folks, you know, breath work is tremendous and, you know, it, it, what it does for your, your inner body, right. What it does for your heart, your cardiovascular system is really anti-inflammation. I mean, it's so cool. Breath is also, you know, gateway to meditation. So it's kind and, and, and I'm, I'm viewing free diving as breath work and meditation already. And then the biggest thing I think it is, is. I guess you can, can even lump this in as meditation, mindfulness, but it's overcoming those inner beliefs mm-hmm. and, and that, that voice. So you said things that I, you said, you know, why am I doing this? This is crazy. Right. Um, or maybe it's unsafe, right? Those are limiting beliefs. And I think what people, uh, something that I'd like people to think about is inner beliefs don't always need to be, um, wrong like for you to need to overcome them. Like it is a little crazy. It is a little unsafe, but you, you knew that when you signed up for it. Right. So I taught, I learned this from an ultra runner actually about not negotiating with yourself in the moment. If you're going to say it's not safe or something, that's something you decide on shore. But once you jump in the water, you go for it because that is truly where it's a limiting belief that's stopping you. You know, mm-hmm. again, not saying it's not justifiable, but those are things you think of, you know, before, for example, uh, I, when I ran a 50, I, me running is a good way to relate things. When I run the 50 mile, mm-hmm. um, ultra marathons, right. I understand I am going to have pain, severe pain in my feet, my knees, my lower back. Um, how real that pain is, is, is debatable. Mm-hmm. I kind of commit, you know, and, and it's hard, right? Because you have to be the, the, the judger as, you know, in this situation. But, you know, I commit like, all right, I'm going to run this. I will not stop unless I truly think something is broken. And I realized when I quit my first one, got an x-ray, I was mad my foot wasn't broken. I never felt pain like that. And I realized, I think it was my body just telling me to quit because I was tired and weak. Like, you mm. know, my body was getting exhausted. And so kind of tying, tying this stuff back with the breath work in Wim Hof. So the other thing that's really cool is you said you get to a point where your brain's telling you, I got to go up, I got to go up, but the body can continue, right? The body mm-hmm. can go longer. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I know you're really, uh, I know you well, so I know that you're not um, like, you know, shallow with these, with these goals, right? You're mentioning numbers, three minutes, a hundred feet. You're not doing this out of competition, trying to be better than others or go longer. But um, I'd like to get your vantage point on what it's like to measure things because you're doing like, for example, Wim Hof, right? I don't do the Wim Hof every day so I can get, hold my breath longer and longer and longer, but I do it to increase my awareness, my focus, my conditioning. And I measure it every day with the, with the want to get that longer and longer, because Mm -hmm. that is a, your body is a direct correlation of what you do. So me holding it longer and longer shows my discipline, my awareness, my focus is increasing, right? You know, it's, it's a very subtle nuance, but what, what do you think about that? Well, being a X or still, if I said, uh, I, I haven't been to AA, but um, I'm an addict for adrenaline and pushing and challenging and overcoming something you've done to do it better. I'm an ex addict at that. So, and so to do something from that place that it isn't uh, just me jumping for a hundred feet the first weekend, or even like I haven't done a hundred feet yet, I could push to go do it. And I'm saying if I increase one percent, you know, of my ability and what I've been working on over time, it's going to add up. So those little increases uh, are are the for me how to do it. What I'd call smart, so that you're not. I'm not just doing it out of ego. I'm not doing it out of uh, forcing or pushing something to happen. Mm, yeah. I, you know. And it's, I, I, I think it's one of those <clears throat> things that you can hear people say, but you just got to experience it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I even, I even look at that with like running. If, if you've ever done or been around an ultra marathon, you'll know that people, I mean, some people are competing against others. Most people are just competing against themselves and against the course. Um, yep. And it's, Again, it's not, it's, I don't care if I can run longer or faster or a combination. I care that I'm going to, I can prove that I can commit to a goal and train my body and my mind. And then, you know, you have to measure it somehow, right? It's mm-hmm. similar with money, right? P, I think, I think everybody that's looking to provide value and service in this world, their goals sh- should include monetary goals, not mm-hmm. because that's, the end game, but that's, you know, just a great way to, to, you know, measure it. Um, it is definitely. And I mean, Hey, you're the, you're the expert there. So it is a good time to talk about that, that 20 years of work. Um, oh yeah. So I, 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 do you mind sharing, you know, what you do kind of like how, and you know, how you practice what you do? I mean, what you do, what you do, you know, you're a coach in the simplest terms, but uh, maybe a little bit about your journey, get there and, you know, you don't need to give away your secret sauce, but kind of, what you know the ways that you do it yeah okay well i'll start with giving away the secret sauce <laughs> let's do it all right uh transparency and vulnerability are to me uh is what it's all about mm. and so uh me being transparent and vulnerable um is what i practice on a daily basis so you know uh me sharing with you uh who I am and my upbringing is, is very vulnerable for me. Mm-hmm. And so, and being vulnerable of, of that, uh, you know, um, both my parents are Zen priests. And so I grew up in a Zen temple mm-hmm. and, and by doing that and being in that kind of space uh, that there was a shaping of Tony Benici over his uh, adolescence through Zen. I didn't know it consciously because my parents didn't, weren't like forcing Zen on us. I thought when my dad said, hey, would you uh, be interested in ringing this bell that he created that was about four feet tall um, and outside that we would ring to open and close the day? Uh, he said, would, would you do that to open the day and you can trade off with your brother nights and mornings? And we're like, yeah, that sounds so cool. Yeah, <laughs> We thought it was cool to ring a bell that sounded like boom, resonated your whole body you know well, it was a form of meditation that he didn't mm-hmm. tell us that we were doing so he instilled the practice in us and and the commitment to being uh, vigilant and showing up and being authentic and and vulnerable that way so 
I'm going to say my practice started from, you know, coming in with the parents and, and, uh, and being introduced to Andrew and Diana Benucci. And uh, if you ever want to look up some amazing people that are out there in the world, sharing their work and, and doing their magic, it's both of them. And they're an inspiration to me. And I still look up to them and love them deeply. And they live here on this Island. So uh, that's where I'd start, you know, is of coming up with that discipline of Buddhism mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and, and having that gift uh, gifted to me. And uh, coming up then at about uh, seven years old, my mom saying, hey, if you guys want to try a martial art called judo? And I uh, said, yeah, let's check it out. So we went to our first judo class and uh, that started a, uh, a a process in me being that mm. going to school, I was being uh, really what I felt judged and diet trying to diagnose me with what they didn't understand what now they call it dyslexic. Yeah. Uh, I found in judo, it didn't matter what I read or did math or numbers. I could physically perform and it was sought as good. So I was really confidence. good. It gave me a lot of confidence. And over the uh, 10 years, uh, taking that to the Olympic, we went to the junior Olympics, me and my brother and competed at, at that level. So judo then shaping me as, as, you know, an athlete and how to, how to really apply myself and compete and the steady groundedness of Zen and really coming from your body and core all in yeah. itself, you know, and that took me then in, in the opening my first business at 19 years old, playing around with cars. I was into car building. I could use my hands and built my first show car at 17 years old. It made a um, magazine cover and uh, had a whole magazine spread by, you know, 18. And, so uh, awesome. and then I was, and then I had, then all of a sudden I started working on these cars and started learning about business. And it was cool as I could apply the same theory of in judo of get down or get thrown and get back up get thrown and get back up into business man if i yeah. go into it and i try something it doesn't work and keep going right uh in in meditation pro- of show go ahead there's well there's there's probably um it's so cool to hear you pull something from i think i think wisdom is learning something pulling out the larger lesson and applying it elsewhere that's to me what mm-hmm. what basically wisdom is um, yep. and that's, that's not the definition that's Sean's definition. Um, mm-hmm. and then I'm just hearing you, there's probably Zen principles there. I mean, the fact that when you get thrown down, you have the wherewithal and composure to say, oh no, that, that's just temporary. Now let's get back mm-hmm. up and, and let's do it. Yeah. Um, so sorry, that was, that was just really cool because really cool for, to hear kind of like how you're drawing them, you know, as, uh, as an athlete, I, I was, I'm here in Wisconsin right now, and I was training at this field. I saw some kids playing football and they were, they were training hard, man. And, you know, it's February or it's March for second. Now, actually, there's no football going on or coming up. I was like, what are you guys training for? And, you know, they're like next season, next season, it's all about football. I was like, it is all about football, but there's gotta be a lesson behind it. And they're, you know, and, and I was just like, at some point, you will stop playing football. Maybe you go play college. Maybe you go play NFL. Maybe you have a long mm-hmm. career in the NFL. You will still be done playing football by 35, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? If there's not a lesson mm-hmm. behind it, it's not worth your time. Not to say yep. I play, I still play flag football and basketball. But so sorry for the tangent. But I, I think mm-hmm. any, any people just need to find their own discipline, own creative discipline of sports or arts. Um, and then and dive into it and learn from that. I mean, that's one of those things that I, I I understand and I'm trying to realize more and more daily. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like the uh, taking wisdom from one aspect of your area of your life and applying it to all the others. Mm. You know, and and that that that's where then it starts to move me into you know uh, when when I uh, went into the automotive industry and started a business there and, and expanded that into 15 employees and 6,000 square feet working on Ferraris and Aston Martins, all these crazy ass cars for, yeah. you know, 20 years of doing that. And, uh, and that through that, then to come out the other side and say, how can I, uh, be an entrepreneur and, and still, have uh, the balance of not just being driven as an entrepreneur and not paying attention to my relationships or my spiritual practice or my body, 
that I can actually balance the whole thing out. And through being a good entrepreneur and challenging myself athletically, by challenging myself athletically and crossing the finish line, overarches yeah. the business. Mm-hmm. And so that started to create my methodology of, I was like, oh, okay. So if I continue to challenge myself physically, my business grows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't have to like think that, oh man, I have to push at my business. I get to challenge myself and have love on my body and it's going to grow. Well, wow. What if I did that in my relationships too? And then what if I did that in, in my spiritual practice? And so now you have three areas that I get to challenge myself with in my methodology to grow my legacy and my business. And so that's how I love that overarching that through one area. Because most entrepreneurs, especially I like playing with the uh, serial entrepreneur kind of feel to it, uh, that they don't need more training over here. It's let's let's do the other work yeah that's the inner work that i'm saying like i've been doing this work physically spiritually and in relationship for the last 20 years consciously and it's profound i mean i've been in chronic pain for over 30 years and i'm i'm like six months to say i've been six months pain free is weird to me because i've been working so hard at the relationship with my body and being an athlete that I never thought I was not going to be in pain. I thought it was just a normal way of living life. Yeah. When I did that, my business took a different look to it. It, it, it you know, it's I'm really secure and I'm I'm not trying to do a million dollar plus business again. I want five clients, five entrepreneurs that are dedicated. And mm-hmm. I'm sticking at that. And and I know my zone of genius is one on one with entrepreneurs that are committed. And yeah. uh, that fucking shit gets me off, dude. And I want to hear. See, I know, I know, I know it gets you off because we, <laughs> when we spoke at the coffee shop, what was it in the the coffee shop right across from the Kona? Um, you know, when yeah. when we we're sitting down there, you were just giving me all your energy and attention. You said something with me. You were like, you were talking about how. Um, again, one thing I want to, I do want to dive into, cause I think it's either unknown or, uh, misunderstood by many is about visualization and creating, mm-hmm. but you were telling yeah. me that, you know, after you do after or during you, your own like visualizations, you know, you're that, those are kind of meshed with your clients, right? You're seeing like, what would my life be like? You know, this is part of your visualization practice. What would my life be like if, you know, one of my clients is doing X, Y, Z, right. And, and you're bringing that energy into the world and you, you only, you know, you love doing that, but you only have so much energy and time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you need to be focused on people. So that's so cool. I mean, you just, you know, you, you clearly, you clearly uh, live it, you know, yourself and you. uh, yeah, man. If if you don't mind, let's let's hop into a little bit of that uh, that creation process. Okay. I think, yeah. You know, popularized by the secret, right? People talk about manifestation. Um, yeah. And I, I think I think everyone goes. Everyone that hears about it is at least somewhat intrigued. Some people might not believe in it, which fair. It's not tangible, and it's it's not easily you know traced from A to B. It might not be tangible always. Uh, people might just deny it because it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I'd love to hear kind of like, I don't know, maybe how you, I know you have some great teachers in this and like yeah, a little bit about your practice. Okay. If we start with uh, would be practice, always practice is good. Uh, yeah. That uh, for me, when I get up in the morning and uh, splash water on my face and then sit and meditate. And meditation is different than visualization. Meditation is where I'm uh, following my breath and paying attention to my breath in going into my diaphragm, diaphragmatic breathing. Mm-hmm. So I do 20 minutes of that. And, and then consciously I come and I say, okay, now I'm going to move into visualization is now I start seeing my outcome of my, if it's 365 days from today, what my world's going to look like, uh, as it, it has already become true. Mm. Yeah. So you, I take that slow because to create an image in your mind of it's already come true. Mm-hmm. 
And, and coming from that place of that, of, you know, for, for me right now, using the visual, can I, can I just put it on myself directly? Cause it's easier right, right now. For sure. Man. Okay. Yeah. Vulnerable, transparent. I love it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I just put it on myself. Uh, and you right say it now, so confidently. I don't know if people even realize how vulnerable it is, you know, <laughs> because oh, you're just... yeah, there's a lot of energy in my body right now that like to say, okay, I visualize every morning about five clients. I visualize what my life is going to be like to, to be supporting and holding that. And like right now um, I have three clients. And so two of them, I just, I had to finish up. Great. I keep visualizing about the five clients. I keep going, man, I'm that guy that supports five entrepreneurs to do legacy work, to be an integrated leader, you know, to be, to really be making an, an impact in their, in their community. Mm-hmm. And when I feel that and hold that, I mean, I guarantee, I can guarantee this. You can feel a difference in my energy as I start to embody those five energies of what I see as a visualization. And so I, I get chicken skin, I get excited, I can feel energy in my body. Look, I'm making fists right now. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> rah, right? And, and so when I feel that, when I do that, I take a deep breath into that feeling in my body. And that's what the secret, watch the secret. It'll talk about exactly what I'm talking about in a different verbiage. Yeah. So feeling it is like one of the main keys. And then what, uh, if if I feel the the action steps are taken, it may feel too big. It may feel too intimidating. Is the small, small, infinitesimal step that you can take today to move that forward and come from that place of that man that is seeing five clients and impacting the world globally that way. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, seeing my book that's you know coming out within a month that I can really see it impacting more and more entrepreneurs. Hey, and tell and me where to get that a online. Copy. Yeah, uh, it's it's it'll be on Amazon, on Kindle, all the all the oh, things. Yeah. So um, I'll definitely uh, be hitting you up with that that information when I get that as soon as I get that. But um, I can see that and I can feel it in my bones and in my balls, man. I'm sorry, but it's true. It's like it, I get tingly and nervous. Uh, one of the, my clients will say nerve sighted, nervous and excited, nerve sighted <laughs> all at the same time. Dude. And let's play in that zone. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I got two, I have two main questions of many. One is it's fun. I just probably you know, scratch the surface of what you've done, but I'm looking at you and I don't need to ask you if you have fun doing it. I know I'm looking at you. You mm-hmm. have fun doing it. It's a rush, man. You're probably addicted to that feeling and it's awesome. And then when, and then as you get more confident in, cause you start to see that you create things in this world. Mm-hmm. I mean, then it just becomes a game, right? Oh, um, it's awesome. Yeah. But so, so this is something I really want. I really want to dive into um, the concept of feeling versus thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so we talked about the secret. Bob Proctor is quoted in the secret. I think some of Bob Proctor's recent work since the secret is great on manifestation. Um, you know, actually for uh, uh, Big Sean, he's a rapper for some, you know, l- little more uh, mainstream guy that's doing it. You know, Big Sean, Kanye West. I mean, you know, they have some lyrics that some of my friends know that I, that I, I cite and quote, um, Jay Shetty, he's, he's a podcaster. Um, you know, people, people talk about things, right. Uh, I, here's the one from big Sean that I love. He, he, so he wrote a song on one of his first albums called I do it. It's, uh, it's one of his first albums and it's talking about, you know, that he's waited his whole, whole life to be, you know, the man of the hour. And he starts talking about being a millionaire and all these things. He says, I've waited my whole life to be the man of the hour. It's like the way he's saying it, you're like, oh, good for you. You're now the man of the hour. You're a millionaire. When he wrote that, he talked about specific amounts of money. None of that was true. He brought it to reality. Um, And then, uh, yeah, Kanye Kanye West does a couple on some of his early albums. But so there's there's all this. um, I talked about, uh, what's his name? Dr. Joe Despons in the beginning. He talks Mm -hmm. about this visualization too. Joe Dispanza has a great quote that he says, you need to feel better than you think. Okay. Mm -hmm. And to me, people can think it. So 
I, I know I have people close to me. I say like, Hey, like, I need you to like really be calm in this situation. And there's a response. I'm calm. I'm calm. Okay. That's mm-hmm. not, I'm glad you think you're calm. That's not calm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, t- you can see and sense if somebody's, you know, tranquil, relaxed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you, you mentioned feeling, um, why do you know why, or like, you, do you agree that like feeling over thinking is like, that's kind of like where the magic happens, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the brain can't tell the difference is what I, I mean. Like, I think Joe Spender talks about that is like the brain doesn't know when it's feeling the feeling, it thinks it's already done it. Mm-hmm. So you're, so since it doesn't know the difference, if you feel it, it's, it's interpreting it as it's already done. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, th- there's a, there's a lot of science behind it. Right. But then, Oh my talk- gosh. Yeah. You can track that guy. He, he breaks it all down scientifically yeah. <laughs> like that. Right. That- and, and so, you know, right. When, when, then when that happens, then as soon as the brain, it, that happens, then the brain's going to come back on and trying to dismiss the experience. It's going to want to say, oh, that, that can't happen. And see now the limiting beliefs. And now it's like, oh, are you going to listen to your brain and, and, and like dismiss it and put it on the shelf and never visualize it again, which happens to about 80 to 90% of the people that I've uh, like, uh, that I coach They'll put it on the shelf the first even couple months. They won't even write it out. It's like, uh, I'll gift some sessions and I'm like, send me your visualization of in detail and I'll never see it because the brain doesn't yeah. want that to happen. And so yeah. that's where the support comes in of having a coach that works with the relationship with the brain and the body and that the, you know, that the brain's going to say it's limiting beliefs and doing that deep inner work that we, we've been talking mm. about it's going to bring up all that work and like to be able to have support and somebody to, to go through that with is, is uh, I mean, it's priceless, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and where, where everyone's at a different stage in, I don't life, let's call it this. That's what we're talking about. Life, you know, self-development, their own journey. Uh, I think everyone needs a mixture of being their own coach. I think everyone needs a mixture of having a formal coach I think everyone mm-hmm. needs a mixture of having coaches that, you know, friends that are coaches, like in mm-hmm. some way, you know, accountability, friends, partners, whatever, um, you know, I, and no, I don't want to, I don't want to like pressure anyone to, to hop into coaching, but that combination, I mean, whether it's, you know, now or future, like I, I'm all about it. Um, so I, I really appreciate you kind of sharing that. And I did, I, I looked up the line from Kanye West because, the song is I Wonder on one of his on albums called Graduation. It's like super popular. Um, and he said, he said, do you even remember what the issue is? You're just trying to find out where the tissue is. And then he says, you can still be who you wish you is. It just ain't happened yet. But that's what intuition is. Right. And that is exactly what you're talking about. You can be who you are. It just hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet. Right. And um, the reason the reason I love it is. Uh, Kanye West, I heard a story about him. He might not be the most popular. He's an interesting mind and he has great music. So take him for what he is, right? But he, um, you know, he was like making beats for Jay-Z and everything. And he would just tell people that he was a rapper, but he was making beats for people. He wasn't rapping. And in these meetings where once he got like around Jay-Z and all these other producers and big names, in the middle of meetings, when people were talking, he would just hop up on the table, like where people are wearing suits at a table, and just start rapping and people would be like, what are you doing? And he would just say, I'm a rapper. Like, and it was so funny because he wasn't, well, he wasn't yet. Right. So right. sorry for that little tangent, but uh, no, that no was- but you're, you're anchoring stories that are identifying exactly what we're talking about. Right. It's, uh, and, and to have, you know, I, I'd be direct in it of like, if you don't have a coach, get your ass a coach like that. I get that direct because I know the value of coaching. I don't you know, care who it is, but to have somebody that you're meeting with every week to say, I am creating my world this way. I, even if it's a small thing of like, uh, I'll give an example of being in an, an abusive relationship 
and you're tolerating the abusive relationship, get some support to get out of the abusive relationship or make some changes. You know, it could be a counselor, it could be a coach, but it's yeah. like that kind of support is priceless again. And if you say, Hey, I want to be happy, man, go talk to somebody. And you know, it, it, it does sure. get difficult and having somebody there. I tell my client, I don't ever want you stuck. Anytime something happens, I want to know about it. That's one of the things. Like I'm shoulder to shoulder with you, and we're going to make this happen. And that's I I visualize their visualizations. I know you know Greg Horn and Prajna are going to have all the indigenous forests that uh, are around the world under like signed where they cannot be touched or protected. That's what it is, you know? Uh, um, uh, Renee Tillotson doing the Still and Moving Center globally. You know, that just, that went global uh, last year, you know? So and cool. so I've, I'm on that visualization and working with their goals and visions because I know the power of it and I don't have their resistances that they do, Yeah, you know? And so yeah. then we'd come on the phone together and just get boom and it's like magic happens regularly. I, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget you know, the first time we talked about coaching, you said that um, you said you don't understand the, uh, the energy that you get when someone loves you and holds you accountable as much as you are yourself and brings that <laughs> energy that that really stuck, you know, stuck with me because, you know, as an entrepreneur, right, I got a team of people and there's one thing that every entrepreneur agree on and it's that no one's going to. Uh, be as dedicated to your work as you, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have a coach who is, even they, they don't need to be doing the work. They just need to be putting the energy out there, man. Um, oh my God, that's, yes. That's so cool. And what I love about, what, what I love about uh, just like some of the things that you do, you, you talk a lot about legacy work. You know, um, for me, th this podcast is a little bit of the start of like the legacy work I'm trying to leave. Um, for, for me, it's, it's go through as, as many experiences as possible. And one of the top three experiences I identify is having intentional conversations with people I respect. So mm, nice. that means you're on the list of people I respect, man. <laughs> and, nice, uh, thank you. and, and documenting them. Right. But, mm -hmm. uh, so what I try to do is go through as, as many experiences as I can to gather wisdom and then share it what and i don't know if i want to share it one-on-one -on -one with the masses probably a mixture of both right mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but i want to experience it first live it and then share it so like you know it's kind of along the journey of, you know that's what i like everything you're doing is you know you always bring legacy work into it which is just mm -hmm. you know so fun and yeah i don't know i think that's i think that's pretty unique man Oh, well, you just say, you know, you drop any seed of legacy hints to me. And I'm like, what'd you say? I heard yeah. you say that this podcast has a, a sense of legacy to it. You want to play yeah. with it? <laughs> you you want to dive into it? We could see what that feels like, right? Yeah, hey, man. It's, that's what, it's, that's what it's, it's about. It's interesting. You also, you know, also, you were one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast. The goal of my podcast, I, I hope it's the goal. Actually, I don't hope it's the goal of others' podcasts. I'll just tell you the goal of mine is just like I said, to schedule intentional conversations with people I respect and document them for myself and for others. Um, that's why there was no agenda, right? I showed up actually with an empty notebook here and a pencil to take notes on what you're saying, even though it is documenting, it's kind of a habit, right? I like, you know, I like- um, Yeah, you know, I got like, mine here too. Uh, what you're doing, right? Um, and yeah, man, so that is, uh, that's super cool. Um, you know, I, I think we should be wrapping up here and okay, I want to, yeah. And I, I want to, uh, just bring it back to the title of the podcast. Um, the title of the podcast is happiness, the ultimate discipline. And I'll tell you, there's a Dan Millman book that, uh, Dan, Dan Millman's most popular book. I got it sitting out right here. And it's funny because when I like a book, this is what my books look like beat to shit with uh, <laughs> nice. literally just notes falling out all over the place in it. Um, and most of the pages Peaceful are warrior. Yeah. Peaceful warrior. So they, they talk about something, you know, this is the, the name is kind of taken from a story Socrates mentioned there about um, that, that, you know, basically everything's not permanent. Everything changes, right? Everything has humor, paradox, and change to it. So you can choose to have every situation be positive. So happiness is just a discipline, man. 
and it's mm-hmm. probably the the most important one um op- open-ended just just want to hear your thoughts on that is it a corny name should i be changing it do you do you, or does that resonate with you i like it definitely you know it's, yeah. it's i mean like the secret to you know uh happiness secret to life uh so i think it's a great one you know yeah i uh and i was you know i was kidding a little bit about changing it you know i i to me it, it resonates and it's exactly what i'm trying to get across but it's uh I, I, you know, I, I, you're one of those people that live it and I learned from it. You know, that's why uh, I was, you know, I was, you know, I feel like we had a podcast last week when we just talked, man. I think at the end, we were like, we should have just recorded that. Yeah. Um, yep. Definitely. What, you did say something. You're like, oh, there was my podcast one liner. Um, <laughs> I forget, forget what it was. You know, yeah. It, all good. All good. It'll either come back or it won't. Um, hey, uh, I got a question before we wrap up. Please. Um, because you did drop hint that, uh, so the podcast is Happiness, mm-hmm. right? That's the name of it? Happiness, semicolon, the ultimate discipline is how I guess it will be written out. Okay, cool, cool. Happiness, the ultimate discipline. Yeah. You know, and just like, see how you, you when I said that, you can feel something in your body. Yeah, for sure. Then, at least, at least right? I can. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I caught it. You actually had a visceral response to when I said it. Yeah, man. Okay. It's it. Yeah. Okay. Now here we go. Now here, he here's Tony with the coaching hat on. <laughs> is what is it going to be like to have that a thousand episodes documented? Mm. Like that kind of impact where it's a library for people to really dive in to happiness and what's it going to take for that ultimate discipline? Yeah. I think it's beautiful. So that like that, my coaching is, you know, I'd love to see you write up your vision of the podcast in all its glory, completed a certain number. And what's that going to feel like for you? Going right on my journal, right up vision of let's call yep. it, you know, future state podcast. Well, I'll tell you, as we'll be saying, um, Hey, here's Tony back for episode number 14 that he's been on. <laughs> Can you cross out future state vision and just the future part? So what does it say now? Write up vision of podcast at episode 1000. Yeah. And that's just a number I made up. So you could do no, any I, number you want. I understand. But what you say about future is beautiful because um, it's present. Yeah, it's present, right? We have it. Yeah, we, we have it right now, right? Now that Send feeling, it to me, brother. Send it to me. Yeah, I will. You know I will too. I know Tony, man, this, this was a pleasure, dude. I, I appreciate it. Um, I, I hope uh, same to you. Uh, yeah. Send love to Amber and the family. And I will. if you ever get back to the mainland or either get to the <laughs> island, I'll have to see you. Oh, we will. You know it. Our path will cross again. Yes, sir. Mahalo, man. All right. Aloha.